Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is The Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about Colemanscop. I beg your pardon? Colemanscop. Yeah, saying the same word again. I, I, I heard you the first time. Could you could you elaborate? What is Colemanscop? This sounds like a Scandinavian spread. It's like Scandinavian well, Marmite. I'll tell you what it is. It uh, in Afrikaans. Uh, it translates. Oh. It translates as Coleman's head. Okay. Right. Is this a place? It is a place. It is a ghost town. Oh. In the Namib. Desert. Namib. In the Nabib in southern Namibia. Uh, oh, okay. Right, so Namibia takes its name uh, it takes its name from a desert, I think. Mhm. Yeah, the Namib the Namib is a coastal desert in South Africa, um and it means vast place. Oh, I like this. This sounds yeah. funky. Okay, well tell me about so, it. tell me more. Colmanskop is a ghost town in southern Namibia, 10 kilometers inland from the port town of uh Luderitz. Um, it was named after a transport driver named Johnny Coleman, who, <laughs> during a stance, a stance. Oh, Are just you hungover again? Last episode, you no, were no. really hungover. And like, this is no. I, I'm just. I'm just tired. I think my body is not used to doing these things in the evening. You see. Ah, uh, yes, we do. Spoil that. That's to tell you how the sausage gets made, folks. Normally, we record yeah. in the mornings. We used to record in the evenings, but um, we did. We did. But, you know, your body's not used to it. Your supple, bird-like mm. body is, is not used to this. Yeah. So, okay, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, so this this transport driver named Johnny Coleman, who, during a sandstorm, abandoned his ox wagon on a small incline opposite the settlement. Once a small but very rich mining village, it's now a tourist destination, destination run by the joint firm Namibia De Beers. But yeah, oh. it's just this like abandoned ghost town. So it's, I'm thinking, are there pictures? Because I'm thinking it's going to be like Wild West about like ghost town. Kind of. It's kind of, it, there's no kind of, I would say that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. there's about eight buildings. Oh, wow. It's all okay. spread out. It's like you've literally dragged and dropped some fairly ordinary um, residential buildings onto like the crest of a hill in a desert. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. Right. right. Okay. I need to explain this. Okay. Viewers, of my Twitch, viewers of my Twitch streams will already know this, but there is a pigeon or a dove possibly that has really taken a liking to me and he keeps trying to get into my studio. And what I, I have, I closed the curtains because the, the evening sun comes in the, uh, in the windows. I was just, I was looking at the screen and looking up something about Namibia and I saw a giant shadow of a pigeon coming across and the f***ing thing has just tried to gain entry to my studio again. But because mm. it was like further, it was close to the sun, it was a huge shadow. It just God. properly spooked me. But yeah, I streamed yesterday and it was constantly trying to get in. Like it, keep, yeah. it kept trying to like flap its its way through the gap in the window. It's strutting up and down the, the windowsill now. Good Lord. Official pigeon of the wiki cast. Last week we got Barney. We got the cute dog from across the way. But no, mm. this week we get a, a sky rat, or possibly yeah. it might be a dove. I'm not sure. Sorry, as as you were, I just got spooked. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's fine. As long as you're all right. Yeah, no, um, I'm good. I'm good. A little bit, of, a little bit more, um, some more information about this, uh, about Coleman's scop. Uh, mm. In 1908, the worker Zacharias Lawala found a diamond. Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> you really are out of sorts, aren't you? Found a diamond Duh. while working in this area and showed it to his supervisor, the German railway inspector August Stausch. Realising the area was rich in diamonds, German miners began settle- settlement, and soon after, the German Empire declared a large area as Spergebite, Spergebiet, uh, which is a is a diamond mining area in Namibia. I love that this starting like, the, to exploit the diamond field. This whole idea that a local person was like, "Oh wow, look at this this diamond," and the Germans were like, "We, we will take it from here." <laughs> this is, yeah. you know, Do not worry, we have we have everything over, under control. It's, oh, you so found, you it found one of our diamonds. <laughs> So bearing in mind, this is kind of like in the middle of nowhere in, Namib- in Namibia. Right. Driven by the enormous wealth of the first diamond miners, the residents built the village in the architectural style of a German town with amenities and institutions, including a hospital, ballroom, power station, school, skittle alley, theatre and sports hall, casino, <laughs> ice factory, and the first x-ray station in the Southern <laughs> Hemisphere, as well as the what? first tram in Africa. <laughs> the first tram. This is gold. I mean, ironically, yeah. enough, this this is a diamond article. It had an ice factory. Yeah. Wow. In the desert. What a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Jesus Christ. F- you, Mother Nature. We'll, we'll make our own ice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. The town started to decline in World War Two when the diamond field slowly started to deplete. By the early 50s, the area was in decline. Hastening the town's demise was the discovery in 1928 of the richest diamond-bearing deposits ever known. These were on the beach terraces 270 kilometres south of Colmanskop, near the Orange River. Many of the town's inhabitants joined the rush to the south, leaving their homes and possessions behind. The new diamond find merely required scouting uh, the beach at Ska... I think that should be scouring the beaches, um, as opposed to more difficult mining. The town was ultimately abandoned in 1956. The the geological forces of the desert mean that tourists now walk through houses knee-deep in sand. Colmanskop is popular with photographers for its settings of the desert sands, reclaiming the once thriving town and the arid climate preserving the traditional Edwardian architecture in the area. What? Due to its location within the restricted area of the, the Namib Desert, tourists now need a permit to enter the town. What a weird place. Yeah. So what I was going to ask was presumably if it was German if it was ruled by Germany uh, in the colonial period it must have been fought over in World War 1 because that you know that was like a huge that's not one of the, the the fronts that never gets talked about well like the whole sphere suppose, of yeah. like conflict in Africa because they There's gave nothing up about that of... in the there's, god there's loads of photos in the gallery it looks like quite a cool place. Well popular with um, it's very with it's very eerie. How do you spell this? I'm going to have to look this up. Coleman okay. Scott. K O L. Found it. M A N S K O P. Wow. Uh, this is, uh, re- dear readers, have a look in the show notes for pictures of this. There's like, on Google Images, there's like a really cool one of inside the buildings, which has just got all the doors open viewed from above. And then it's just sand up to like kind of waist level. This is, this is mm. what human civilization is going to look like in like a couple of hundred years. Wow, what an eerie place! So I was whilst you were talking, I, I was looking up Namibia because um, it's not a country I know very much about. If I'll be honest with you, mm. um, yeah, I mean, me too. When did you? When do you think Namibia became a country? Um, I don't know. I don't it know. was it, it was uh, originally part of South Africa. It was it was originally known as Southwest Africa, uh, and it became independent in uh, March nineteen ninety. Wow. So incredibly recent. There was actually a war of mm. independence, uh, which I'm clicking on as we speak, um, which was, wow. oh, wow. Okay. So the war of independence was was fought up until 1990. Um, it was started in 1966. 
Right. Good grief. There were 71,000 forces on the South African side, 122,000 forces uh, on the Namibian side. And they were supported by Cuba, by Zambia, uh, by, oh God, lots of places that I don't recognize. Uh, Oh, the People's Movement for the Liberation of Angola. They had material support. Oh, no, that's interesting. They had material support from the Soviet Union, China, East Germany, North Korea, a whole bunch mm. of other places. He just really wanted um, to to weaken South Africa, I guess. I, I'm just somewhat cynically assuming that a lot of these places didn't really have an interest in uh, autonomy in Africa. Um, that's that's super interesting. Wow. Okay, so I, I had no idea that that was such a huge conflict. Uh, typical Western ignorance, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it was. It became a country in 1990, um, and it is one of the least densely populated countries in the world um it has an Mm. average population density of uh uh, 2.9 people per square kilometer gosh so that's sparse yeah three people for every square kilometer yeah that's that's only slightly more than mongolia which has a population density of 1.9 people per square kilometer the the least there's a note here it says some historians have speculated that the German genocide in Namibia was a model for the Nazis in the Holocaust. Oh, bo- oh, God. Uh, when, when was yeah. the genocide? Uh, from 1904 to 1907. Was there a particular reason for, for, for it happening? From 1904 to 1907, the Herero uh, and the Namakwa took up arms against brutal German colonialism. It calc- it. In calculated punitive action by the German occupiers, government officials ordered extinction of the natives in the Herero and Namakwa uh, genocide. Um, in what has been called the first genocide of the 20th century, the Germans systematically killed 10,000 Nama, half the population, and approximately 65,000 Herero, about 80% of the population. The survivors were then finally released from detention, um, were, subject to, were subjected to a policy of dispossession, deportation, forced labour, racial segregation and discrimination in a system that in many ways anticipated the apartheid established by South Africa in 1948. So they had a hard go of things, really. Bloody hell. Why yeah. are people so awful to one another, Dan? <laughs> Why? Well, it's like, I mean, in response to people wanting to rule themselves, that people were like, you know what, we're going to kill 80% of you. Like, that's that's hmm. not a... a I, I, in order to think that that is a rational response, you really have to view these people as subhuman, I guess. Like, that mm. must have been their mindset. That, like, these these yeah. are people, but they're not people like us. Like, oh, God. That's rough, man. That's, well, well, Namibia. Mm. I'm, I'm learning. We're, we're learning. We're getting this information out there, you know. Do we have any Namibian listeners? Um, uh, oh, actually, hang on. That's actually a really interesting question. Let's have a look. We do! We've had 10 downloads if... from Namibia in the past... Really? Year? Hang on, I'm going to look at all time. How many downloads have we had in Namibia? Ten. <laughs> um, good lord, that's the, well, we've 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 reached not every part of the world. There are plenty of countries that have never downloaded us. Um, but um, wow, there you go. So you know, we they know more about us than we know about them, Dan, or those ten people in Namibia. That's um, so interesting. I was just so I, I'm, I find population density Wikipedia articles fascinating because like it's such a vast range of mm. data, right? So the least pop- densely populated place on Earth is Greenland, um, which has an area of just over two million square kilometers and a population of fifty six thousand people. So a density of zero point zero three people per square kilometer. The dense most densely populated place on Earth 
is Macau in China, uh, which has an area of... Sorry, I'm sure that that's definitely not going to be a controversial comment. It's a region that's... Uh, an administrative region of China, I think, technically. Um, it has an area of 33 square kilometers and a population of 667,000 people. So <laughs> a population density of 20,286 people per square kilometer, which is just... Or to give oh. you, like, some idea... like. Uh, you've oh no you've never been to Jersey have you? Because um, that's no. like quite densely populated, and that has a population density of eight hundred ninety eight people per square kilometer. Like I mean the UK where is the UK on here? United Kingdom the average population density is two hundred seventy two people per square kilometer. So mm. Macau is a hundred times denser. For every if if the UK had the same population density as Macau, for every single person in the UK, if you then replaced a person with a hundred people it would be the same population density that's incredible that's incredible um like wow so yeah well Mm. so namibia is the exact opposite end of that spectrum it is the it's not actually the second because basically mongolia is the only one that has a rank above namibia it's the second lowest ranked region i don't know why they have some have ranks and some don't like the Western mm. Sahara. Oh, Western Sahara's disputed territory. I see. And French Guyana is an overseas department of France. Okay, so it's the second least populous, but no, least densely populated country in the world. Maybe got that out in the end. That's so cool. You'll never guess what the third least densely populated country in the world is. What? Australia. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I suppose that makes sense, actually. But think about how, how sparsely populated Australia is. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a population density of well, about the same. They're both about three people per kilometer, square kilometer. Mm. So that's roughly how... Uh, Crazy. You know, but, but then that is a hundred times more densely populated than Greenland. <laughs> like, it's crazy, isn't it? This, this is why I love this stuff. It's so it's super interesting to me. But, um, well, I think we also need to, we need to do a call to arms. Any of our listeners in Namibia, please email in and yeah, give please. us some... Maybe some people have been to Colmanskop. Um, yes. Or maybe you live near Colmanskop, or maybe you you know something cool about Namibia that we haven't discovered yet, which is probably you know quite. Because we've of also things, had but... we've also had eight hundred forty six downloads in South Africa and fourteen in Zimbabwe, which are both they both share a border with Namibia, so it's quite possible that um hmm. you know we, they, they, I think they is, may it, have is it twelve in Ghana. Twelve in Ghana, yeah. I bet that's uh, our, our mate Alex, who <laughs> when mm. he's been home, he's just downloaded twelve yeah. episodes. Um, Legend. So when he's visited his family, oh boy. Yeah, no. So this is is what what else? Because this is like a very visual article. Can you? Uh, there's there's obviously the slight matter of genocide that we've touched on. Uh, was is there any talk about like the the First World War in, in Coleman Scott? No, the the Coleman Scott Wikipedia page is really short. In fact, I've read everything. Oh oh wow okay yeah um. So, but the 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 Wikipedia page for Namibia is sprawling and looks really interesting. I want to have a flip yeah. through this later. I'm on this um, now. There's, wow. a, there's a there's a in five point four. There's some talk of diamonds. There is a. I'm just looking at the map of Namibia, which I I I think. I don't know. I don't know. I think a rational person would expect this of any country. You'd expect it just to be like a contiguous blob, but there's like a little. Hmm. It looks like one of the rebel ships from Return of the Jedi, if you know what I mean. Like, it looks right. like one of the Mon Calamari frigates that has, like, a main body, and then there's a little tiny slither of a spine, and then a tiny little, mm. like, head 
or like a little tail, I guess, however you want to think about it. So there's like a little pan handle that sticks out into, uh, is that Botswana? Yeah, it is Botswana. I was right. Okay. Um, oh, that was Zimbabwe that I was looking at. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but why is that? There's like a tiny little strip of land. Is that, it's got this. Where is this? Ah. Sorry. It's called the Caprivi Strip, or at least it was in this map from 1978. It's like... Is this a map of Botswana? No, a map of Namibia. There's like a little strip of Namibia that goes just to... It like cuts off Botswana from Angola. Oh, the little bit that's like jutting out. Yeah. There was a secessionist attempt in the strip in 1999. It is called still called the Caprivi Strip. What an odd place. It's got... It's about 32 kilometers wide, and it's about the same size as the U.S. state of Maryland. Um, its eastern tip is about one kilometer from the borders of Zimbabwe. So, oh, wow. So it's basically... T- like oh, Botswana. I see what it's you're like looking a- at now. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, oh. no, I've got you. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It took its name from German Chancellor Leo von Caprivi de Caprera de Montecuculi. I can't even say it in one breath. Leo von Caprivi de Caprera de Montecuculi. I genuinely, I have no idea how he's supposed to say his surname. There's a cool thing here. So in on that little strip, as if you were ha- heading to Zimbabwe. Hmm. There's an intersecting point where, presumably, if you stood there, you'd be standing both simultaneously in Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and Zambia all at the same time. But what this is saying is that there's a kilometre gap between its border and um, uh, Zimbabwe. So it's like the tiniest sliver of like... Yeah, you can see. It's almost like they're allergic. That's so annoying. What a weird little bit of of geography. Mm. So... So it's named after this German who's I'm not I'm not going to try and say his name German Chancellor Leo. Um, oh, von Bismarck, whatever his name is. Uh, no, Leo Him? von Caprivi de Caprera de Montecuccioli or something. Oh, right, just something like you think that. Think of somebody else. Um, oh, right. Okay, it was to give Germany access to the Zambezi River. So if you look at it. Like mm. It has its own wiki article. It just reaches the Zambezi River. So they were like, right, we'll just extend this territory, just like a little tiny slither of land out. Um, and uh, it's just like a kind of little artificial... Well, I mean, all the most of the land borders in, in colonial Africa are completely artificial, but like even more artificial than normal. Um, wow, what a cool place. One interesting... Uh, that's going to be up there in my top five favourite ever articles in this podcast. Yeah, well done, Dan. You chose a good one here. The Church of Mormonism mm. did, a, did a good That's one. delivered. Here. Yeah. Well, shall we, seeing as we've come to a natural close, you've already mentioned mm. this to me before we started recording, but I think mm. you, you, are, you, you want to talk about your choral piece of the week. And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. I gave you a, a taster that I was, we would have started recording that again, how the sausage is made. We would have started this podcast a little earlier. Um, however, I finished Evensong and then typically on a Thursday, not every Thursday, but today was one of the days um, where the back row stayed behind to look at some music that's coming up because we have some quite interesting things. One of those pieces is going to be my choral piece of the week. It's by William Walton and it's called The Twelve. Have you heard of it? 
I've not heard of this. It's basically, I, w- I would describe it as William Walton's uh, Rejoice in the Lamb. Oh, so so what is Rejoice in the Lamb for viewers at home who maybe so, don't know that? Rejoice in the Lamb is a piece by Benjamin Britten, and it's this big kind of sprawling, dramatic, quite theatrical choral piece. Goes on for about 13 minutes, do you reckon? Yeah, about that, yeah. Something like that. Um, and it's it's got a really, really bizarre text, um, and it's all it just a bit nutty. By, but it's... It was written by a guy who was in an insane asylum. Yeah. Right, the, te- the text, I think? Opium-fueled madness. Anyway, William Walton's The Twelve is an it's it's titled it's an an anthem for the feast of any apostle, for S A T B solely mixed chorus and organ or orchestra, and the words are by W H Auden. Oh, oh, okay, interesting source. I don't think I've ever sung anything that's been written by Auden before. To give you an idea of the the the, the beginning text, um, it starts with. What is almost kind of like the the inner piece of um, Bach, let's say, you might precede the key text with a little um, chorale. There we go. Um, so it, the the twelve begins without arms or charm of culture, persons of no importance from an unimportant province. They did as the spirit bid, went forth into a joyless world of swords and rhetoric to bring it joy. When they heard the word, some demurred, some mocked, some were shocked, but many were stirred and the word spread. Lives long dead were quickened. Now oh, lives long dead, you f***ing thick, <laughs> thick boy. <laughs> Lives, He's done with the lives. His brain has fallen out of his ass. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> lives long dead were quickened to life. The sick were healed by the truth revealed, released into released into peace from the gin of old sin. Men forgot themselves in the glory of the story told by the twelve. And then the second bit is awesome. Then the dark lord, adored by this world, perceived the threat of the light to his might. From his throne he spoke to his own. The loud crowd, the sedate engines of state, were moved by his will to kill. It was done. One by one, they were caught, tortured, and slain. And that's just half. That's the first half. Wow. Um, what an interesting I piece. I need to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a link to the, the, the 12, the, the, the piece. I'd like you to go 50 seconds in. It begins with a, a, a kind of bass solo. Right. And you need to listen until you hear the bit where people are singing about... Um, when they heard the word, some demurred, some mocked, some shocked. So it should be about a minute, I'd say. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that to listen to it yeah. later. It's cool, wow. right? Wow, very co- a very good choral piece of the week, Dan. That's mm, a, that's a good you. shout. 
Um, well, fantastic. Well, there'll be a link as always. And you, you need to put together um, an Apple Music playlist. Of yes, I do. All of your I haven't done that yet, but I shall. I, I will pester you until this episode comes out for it to do I'll that. Do it, will... uh, I'll do it this evening while I'm. I can because I because you know multi, multitasking is a wonderful thing. Um, while I'm sitting watching yet another bloody World of Warcraft classic stream, well, I can uh, be. Uh, uh, this this sounds like this sounds like Critics Corner talk down. Oh yeah, and we've got something else to talk about in Critics Corner, Simon, that I may have mentioned earlier in this week. Yes, we do. Right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right, cue the cue the jingle. Okay, right, Dad. So you were talking about WoW Classic. Yeah, funny that. I'm obsessed. I'm a sick, <laughs> sick man, and I have a problem. And my problem is, I cannot even. I don't think I've ever been so excited for certainly a video game to be released. Um, just any kind of. It's up there with my excitement for when there was like a new Harry Potter film coming out. Really? And for me, that's that's big. That's like that's a big thing. I'm just so so looking forward to it. I've got these wonderful like nostalgic memories, um, and just watching people play play this in its enclosed beta. Um, oh heavens! It really so is. You, it's so just to, just thing. to stress this to people, you haven't been playing it because because basically no, no one has access. I was I was at the Oscar yes. Studios, and even they, there's only two keys to go around. You've just been watching. How many hours would you estimate you've watched of uh, WoW Classic content? Ooh, well over twenty-four. Wow, uh, more than a whole yeah. day of just sat there watching WoW Classic. It's reached. Okay, so this is done. This isn't done in like one viewing. But what I will do. I've reached such a kind of a point. If I'm walking to and from the cathedral or the pub or someone's house, um, I will queue it up on Twitch on my phone and won't even watch it. I'll just have my headphones in, blank the screen and just listen to like what's going on. Like someone might be running through and talking about their old memories of it and I can hear the kind of the sound effects in the background and oh, it's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I really wish that I could get as excited as you are about this. I do, it's just a it's a very different way of playing video games right and I've yeah never and it's also MMOs. something that you have no I think people the people who are really excited about it are the people who used to play vanilla wow yeah um it will be people you know people who never played that will go back to it try it and go well f- this it's really hard <laughs> and really slow and super grindy and but that's part of the kind of joy really that's just I think at its core the game since its initial release in 2004 three four thousand four has done lots of things to kind of um make the player experience a little bit more friendly uh and and gentle Mm. and and accelerates processes that previously took you forever like so in the current game when you hit level 20 um you get you can you can get your first 40 percent increased speed um like riding mount to get around places which is massively useful um mm. because otherwise you previously had to run everywhere up until level 40 and things like if you're doing a raid or a dungeon there is now what's called the, a dungeon or raid finder where you can queue up and you are assigned to a, a randomly queued group of p- anyone playing the game no matter their server and you're kind of in your you're in your own little instance, and you can go and do that. And you just literally hit Q, wait a couple of minutes, and then you're off. In the classic mm. game, that that never existed, so you would have to not only absolutely know what you were doing because there was basically no map in most of these dungeons or raids. You'd have to go to a capital city and literally write in the chat, "Oh, hello, I'm a so and so. 
dwarf paladin looking for a healer to do and then you'd have to run to the dungeon or fly there which would probably take about half an hour and it's just really intense but because of that process you get a, a considerably more kind of cohesive active community there's yeah. far more kind of interaction is much higher because it's generally going to help the two players if you come across somebody doing doing something in the you know in the wilderness then you'll team up and you'll have a chat you'll be like oh how's it going blah blah, blah. this is really nice whereas that just doesn't really happen in the game anymore and this is the and first time it's a real shame it could, it's the first time that it could possibly happen really is in wow is the only game that has been around for this long with an active multiplayer contingent that mm-hmm. like this is like a filter where in a way it's it's finding the people who are really tr- still true to the the kind of the core of the game i guess like yeah you know, so so this it's a fascinating experiment, really, to see who comes back to it and what they Absolutely. get out of it. Like, yeah. like, I, like we said before, if there's a way of us possibly doing like some content in it, like you can you guide me around as my uh, as like a, a, a kind of father figure in World of Warcraft. And we will we'll have we to absolutely try have to do this we have to do this because you can create you'll be able to create a like a, a trial account for it so it won't cost you anything so i i just i'm hesitant to, to I, I feel like we should move on from this because i know that you will talk about this for two hours if if yeah. given the opportunity oh easy but easy. You, two hours easy. before we get on to another thing which i know you've reviewed in great detail and i'm excited to mm. hear your take on it irl um you've been watching some chernobyl as well right based on my recommendation from last yes time. i have i haven't seen the final episode what do you think of chernobyl very very good it's it's eerie and kind of melancholy and creepy and leaves your skin crawling after you watch an episode and i love that yeah it's it's like a horror film it's like a horror film mm. where, where radiation is the monster it's just yeah. I, uh, if you haven't seen it people you really it's not like we could talk about spoilers or anything because it, it's a real thing that happened mm. Um, mm. but oh, f- me it's just thing, so good I've been encouraged to watch and I haven't seen any of yet but I know my housemate James has been watching a load of it is is um, Good Omens oh with David Tennant and um, uh, oh, the Welsh guy uh, Michael Sheen name? Michael Sheen that's the one Ah yes, yeah, no. I've, heard, I've, heard I did, I've watched a, I've watched clips, and it looks absolutely fantastic. So I'm quite keen to to watch that. And it's um a Neil Gaiman story, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I have to give it a go. I have to give it a go. Okay, right. So that was the brief review section. Now, what you went to the the pictures this week, didn't you, Dan? So I don't know what possessed. Well, I do know what possessed me. Our mutual friend Michael <laughs> said, yeah. "Do you want to come over for dinner?" And we could go and see a film or something with some people. I said, yeah, that'd be a nice idea. Mm. And bearing in mind, the most frustrating part of this is there's some quite good films on in the cinema at the moment. We yes. went and saw a complete curveball, something that I didn't really have much interest in. I'd, I'd, I'd seen the trailer for it and I saw that Millie Bobby Brown was in it. And I was like, oh, this new Godzilla film looks kind of interesting. I haven't seen a Godzilla film before. You, so um, you didn't watch the, the previous American one then? Because no. that's because that's the thing which tempted me to go and see this, which I haven't, mm. to be clear. Because um, I actually really enjoyed that film. It's not like a great film objectively, but it's got some really great sound design, great monster design, full stop, great use of music. And it's a fun monster film, which was apparently what this was supposed to be. And I didn't realise that there is a there is a monsters like universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the longest-running film series in history, I think. Yeah. Godzilla. So, like, it's... Yeah, Godzilla is related to King Kong as these titans, and I didn't realise that. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I went and saw this new Godzilla, and basically, 
it is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> there are these moments where you physically, Michael and I were like f- fists, fists in mouth levels of just pissing ourselves laughing because what's happening on the screen and the dialogue just makes absolutely zero sense. Um, can you get, it's right. just so flawed. Can you give me a synopsis of the plot? And then, you know, because I feel like it's it's one thing to talk about specifics of dialogue, but like, I feel like the plot is also going to be ridiculous. So our protagonist is this woman who works for a cryptozoological organization called Monarch, who track down and study these titans, one of which, so... Uh, Godzilla is Godzilla one. Godzilla is one. Yeah. Uh, King Kong was one. There's, there's like, there's quite a few of them. Anyway, um, her daughter, who's called Madison, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown, um, they're together and they, they witness the birth of this new Titan. It's a giant, like, moth called Mothra. Mothra. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and Mothra starts having a bit of a freak out and gets quite aggressive. But then our protagonist, this, this character, Emma Russell, um, is uh, she has this this like glorified laptop which plays out sounds and it well emits frequencies that can attract or alter the behavior of titans then <laughs> right. okay right then an organization of eco-terrorists led by alan jonah who's played by charles dance and it is a f-ing embarrassment that he's even involved in this film <laughs> attacks and kidnaps both emma and madison mothra manages to escape and cocoons herself underneath a waterfall I was expecting right. you to you say with... that they kid. I was expecting you to say they kidnap Mothra. <laughs> I was trying to imagine no, how that no. would work. Okay, right. They, so they, the Mothra escapes, goes into a cocoon. Charles Dance has got the protagonists. Cool, with you. Yeah, she's got the protagonist and the daughter. Right. So then, these other monarch scientists who who ultimately kind of work against this organization of eco terrorists led by Charles Dance go and find uh, the mum's ex husband. Uh, who also has stuff to do with animals to track down Emma and Madison because like, well, you like you were married, you know how her mind works. You might know where things would be. You might be able to help. It's just such a tenuous lead. And this is what I mean. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, this character, Mark, is initially reluctant due to his hatred for Godzilla after his son Andrew was killed <laughs> during the 2014 attack in San Francisco. I'm done with giant monsters. You hear me? I, yeah. I left that life behind. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter okay. and my 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 ex-wife are gone, but I'm fine. Right. Okay, okay. Surely that would make him want revenge on Godzilla, or like it make mm. you want to punch like a giant monster in the face. This next sentence is glorious. They follow Godzilla to Antarctica and realize Jonah intends Charles Dance intends to free a Titan encased in the ice called Monster Zero. Uh, Charles <laughs> Dance's team ambush the Monarch soldiers. Mark is unable to rescue Emma and Madison. Emma reveals, the mum, to Mark that she was actually in allegiance with the terrorists the whole time. No! And frees and awakens Monster Zero, who goes and kills a load of people, uh, and later Godzilla and they fight, and he basically kicks, kicks Godzilla's ass. Is um, Monster Zero the one that has, is, is like a Hydra type thing? It's got yes, some yeah. Right, okay, cool. With you so far. <laughs> Logic yeah. isn't, but I, I, I am. It's just, right, it's just... I'm trying to find if this because this plot is just and then, and then they fight and Godzilla wins. I'm just just going to put a wild wild guess out there. Yeah, but it's just that so so like at some point every single character goes against 
what you thought they would do logically and what you thought their backstory was and their general character arc is. Mm. It's gone to the it's gone to the Game of Thrones school of character arcs. It doesn't really matter. Um, oh boy! Oh no! That's the worst kind of influence. That's the, Charles Dance has brought the Game of Thrones influence with him, but like the bad kind. It's dreadful. It's just dreadful. And then there's these moments of like it. It tries to kind of like shoehorn here in like comic lines, basically to make you think, "Wow, whoever wrote this script is." A- genius because not only can he do serious hard-hitting drama but he also can do really well-timed like di- um, comic dialogue he can't he's shit <laughs> there's one bit where there's this moving speech given by this wise japanese man um who is a scientist oh. and then ends up sacrificing his life to, he would have been in the first film yeah ken, um, is it ken watanabe yeah probably something like that and he does this wise moving speech about like you know like um it's not the hatred that brings you together. It's the it's the something else. Blah, 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 wise Japanese saying. Um, now and, excuse me while I go punch this moth in the face. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like so. Then another character turns around. Like it's this quite like it tries to be quite a moving scene. You're like, wow, that's actually pretty powerful and summarizes things quite well. And then the immediate line after it is the dad being like, "Did you uh, did you think of that just now?" And he was like, no, I already in a fortune cookie. And you're like, well, <laughs> what do you, that's like, that's basically racist, is it not? Like, it's just take, making fun of the wise old Japanese. It's, it's oh ridiculous. Oh my God. Oh, wow. And then you get lines about it. So the film is like two, two and a half hours long. So it's way, way too long. Um, and you <laughs> get these moments of like about two hours in to a massive action all guns all everything laser beat you know the whole thing you get lines like no and now we're gonna we're this time we're gonna get involved in the fight and you're like you fuck you own all you've been doing is fighting for like the whole film what what do you mean um but they let so, the movie drag on long s- enough that like you notice this though is what i'm, what I'm uh, getting it's like if it was an hour and a half you'd be like ah whatever but like you yeah. were sat there long enough to be like wait a minute none, none was, of this has it was truly sense truly abysmal and it, i couldn't believe it i left that the, the credits started to roll um i think i held up two fingers and swore at the screen and said well f- this and left because <laughs> the it was last just, time you did which, that was um the crimes of grindelwald yes it was like, is, is that is that a comparable viewing experience <laughs> um yeah actually wow they are they're on a par it was they were both really really dreadful Good but Lord. so i got home feeling frankly pissed off at how this film can be so terrible and i paid money to go and see it so i then wrote a brief review to send in to mark uh commode and um simon mayo so hopefully that that they they'll go on air tomorrow so maybe if 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 anyone else listens listen out for a review of godzilla because it was crap and hopefully they'll read it because i was pretty bloody savage what's it actually called it's it's called godzilla king of the monsters okay yes and there's another one coming out next year. Do you, do you know this? There's one coming out next year called Godzilla no. vs. Kong. Oh, f*** off. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, but what I'm getting from this is that if you want to watch this movie, you shouldn't. You should instead go and watch Pacific Rim again. Because that yeah. is an actually incredibly entertaining brain-dead movie <laughs> that actually has some really cool design in it. Uh, but did you see the Rotten Tomato score for Dark Phoenix? No. Go on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And like the top movies that are out at the moment, because actually I wonder what the Godzilla score is. Godzilla score has a score of forty percent. Okay, Aladdin okay. has a score of fifty-six percent. Detective Pikachu, sixty-six okay. percent. 
Rocketman, 91%. So apparently very good. And Endgame is still in here somehow with 94%. Um, Dark Phoenix, the last of the X-Men films, has got 24%. So even worse than Godzilla King of the Monsters. So Lord knows what actually happens in that film. Can't uh, do it. No, I can't. I, I mean, I'm not going to go watch it. I, I can't be doing with it. I actually tell you what I did. Um, I, I'll have to. I'll include a link to the show notes to this. I watched a review of Sherlock. Um, and what's it, actually what was it called? You know the most recent Sherlock film with um Will Ferrell, oh, God, Holmes yeah. and Watson. Didn't I didn't watch it? I watched this review of it, and oh God, am I glad that I didn't watch it? Because people need to watch this review because it's more entertaining than watching the movie. It's, Will Ferrell it, is up there with Adam Sandler in the, in my list of actors who, if they were tragically killed by being hit by a bus tomorrow, I wouldn't grieve. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> done like, you know some what? these things happen. He's done some good films. Like he had, you know, he did um, Elf, which is like a classic for a lot of people. Obviously, he did Anchorman, which is another classic for people. He did um, Stranger Than Fiction, which was like oh yeah with um with Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's in the Lego movie. Like, you know, he's done some good stuff, but holy sh- like, like Adam Sandler, like so many bad movies. <laughs> but yeah, I- I'll send you the link. It's it's worth watching. We've been talking about, about movies, Dan, for far too long. I think it's about time mm. that we thanked our Patreons. <laughs> Top lad. Our patrons, not our pa- Patreon is the website. It's time that we, I think it's time that we thanked our YouTubes. Um, says no one. Says no one today after all the controversy. That's uh, that's none of my business. I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who uh, is subscribed to us on MySpace. That's, <laughs> uh, that's really good. Thanks to all those Beboers out there. It really, really yeah. makes a difference. So once again, it's that time where we have to say a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, without your guys' help, um, this podcast wouldn't be. A funded, we wouldn't have any money to pay towards hosting our donations to the Wikimedia Foundation and a multitude of other things merchandise, um, travel, uh, paying uh, for the competitions that we've run in the past. The competitions being that one competition that we did, but we're absolutely going to do more. <laughs> we will, um, yes. and paying for our wonderful editor, um, who's uh, just finished his exams. You... He finished his exams Yay! yesterday. Our boy Adam, round of applause. He's not editing this one. I'm editing this one because I'm giving him a break. The boy, he was like, I can edit it if you want. And I was like, no, you've got better things to do, like getting absolutely yeah, yeah. gazeboed. Um, mm-hmm. So well done, Adam. But yes. But yeah, the money, the money is, 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 is very, very helpful and goes to do so, so many things. Um, and your support is always appreciated. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, say a special thank you to our top dogs. Uh, and they are Ben McMurtry, Eric Bolliger, Jay Wright, Kyle Much, Maggie, Marut Fakira Punyuat, Nina Colton, Peter Reed, Rory Healy, and Sentient Baguette. Thank you very much. What a lovely group of people. These are people who are supporting mm. the podcast by $5 a month. They are, uh, mm. They've somehow, for some reason, think that the dog is the best household pet, which I can't quite understand myself. Uh, if you, dear reader, would like to support the podcast, if you think we're worth keeping on the air, because we don't do ads, this is the only, this is the only way that we get revenue uh, and keep the, the podcast going, um, then you go to, yeah, patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. And you can just, there's a little tier that says top cats and 19 people have decided that the Team Cat is the way to go. And those people are, of course, Choco Cat, 
Dan Hanvey, the one, the only, Devon Hill, Ooh. Ferdinand Singh, Hans J, Hartman Dutt, Isabella Ostrowski, Kodzo, Lachlan Woods, Layla Medina, Lewis Watson, Oliver Burghart, Oliver Craigie, Omar Miranda, Princess Andromeda, Rents Kirk, River Ward, Tapio Kirkinen, and William Humphreys. Thank you so much for your support, guys. How many how many top dogs did you have there, Dan? Uh, it's a couple of my about Ten about about ten. About ten. Oh, oh dear. That's. But those ten are bloody good. It's a good ten. They're good boys. Good boys. <laughs> good whereas, boys. The, I, whereas I say to the top cat patrons, I'm like, "You're doing great," and they're like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> sarcastic you... prick. How dare you? If you if you self-identify as a cat, then you know which team is right for you. But equally, if you want to give Dan a hand, if you want to throw Dan a bone, so to speak, uh, go hey. for Team Top Dog. I'm here all week, folks. You can't make me leave. Right, we should probably crack on. Oh, God, I'm talking like Love Island. Top lad! And we find ourselves Jesus, in... What? Sorry, nothing. You it's me massively. That's going in the show now, Dan. This is incredibly unprofessional. I expect your resignation on my desk in the morning. Okay. Um, and we now find ourselves in Crisis Corner. Um, this is where you, dear readers, get to write in to the show uh, with your your crises, whichever, however big or small or real or invented they may be. Uh, and other readers and ourselves, Dan and I, will re- reply to them and give our, our takes on them. Uh, and last week, Dan, could you, could you briefly remind people what last week's crisis was the very so last, basics last week's crisis was to do with academic academic misconduct wasn't it it was people yeah. taking the easy option the cheaty option uh and ge- a, a general lack of integrity in their academic life yeah and and the, the important thing that we should say is that this was submitted to us anonymously uh and uh all the responses which we're going to read out now will be anonymized as well so if you would like to get involved with this uh don't, don't have to be shy we will anonymize everything that is sent to spongyelectric at gmail.com with uh, crisis corner in the subject line and that could be either a response to this week's crisis or it could be your own crisis we've yet to have like any that have taken the piss i'd quite like to get some which are just re- at, like hat films level ridiculous you know problems to mm. have um but we i digress we do have a, a real uh, crisis from a real reader in real need which we'll get to in a moment but um first of all um we have a response um from anonymous uh with response to last week's crisis um who opens with long-time reader first-time writer uh, started listening to the podcast in january after seeing um your good myself on the jingle jam so they've sped through 60 episodes over the past five months Good Lord, Anonymous. You're making... You're, what an anonymous. Um, mm-hmm. So um, they're saying, uh, first of all, they want to reiterate with Simon's uh, same shoulder-shaking conviction. Sorry saying that five times fast. Simon's same shoulder-shaking conviction. Simon's same shoulder-shaking conviction. It's uh, like a very, very bad Sean Connery impression. <laughs> Simon's same shoulder-shaking conviction. Um, yeah, yeah. You are not crazy for thinking that academic integrity is important for or, or for recognising the importance of the process of learning. The notion that misconduct becomes acceptable when others engage in it, whether that's because of the status quo or because it does not appear to affect you directly, is an indefensible argument. This is at best negligence and at worst malevolence. You're also right that picking the easy way out of a challenge can manifest itself in very ugly and problematic ways once people enter their professional lives. Look at Elizabeth Holmes um, and her Theranos, um, the biotech company, or Amy Cuddy and her 
power posing research, for example. Um, oh, the former malevolent, the latter negligent. Um, what I believe is that the sense of your crisis is a matter of ethics and morals. What is indeed the right thing to do, especially when the moral compasses of others point opposite to yours. In my opinion, if these people are truly your friends, they should at least value what you have to say and be willing to engage in some sort of discourse on the issue. They certainly should not put you down because of the views you hold. You deserve better. I have no doubt that there are many others who share your perspective uh, who would also cause you less stress or anxiety since they wouldn't engage in these unsavory behaviors. Uh, and then Anonymous does continue. I realize this is a long response, but I think this is this is interesting. Uh, Anonymous continues with an experience with cheating from previous year. There was a student in their uh, political crime and terrorism class, who I've known for previous courses, who never took notes in class, then always went around asking for people's notes leading up to the exam. Because of how much material there was in the course, my friends and I felt bad that he ended up in the situation and shared our study guide with him. Fast forward to exam day, when I stood up to leave once I'd finished, I turned around and saw him surreptitiously glancing at his phone, which had our whole study guide on it in the middle of the exam. And the, the professor failed to notice it. He was invigilating. I debated with my friends and we decided to approach the situation with a utilitarian philosophy, trying to maximise good for everyone keeping in mind that maybe the student was going through a tough family or personal situation that prevented him from studying and that reporting him might get him expelled during the final semester or create complications for employment later on. On the next exam, however, we saw him doing the same thing with someone else's study guide. We reported him to the professor and TA and he was made to resit all the course's exams in one week. We felt this was the best course of action since we at least gave him the benefit of the doubt the first time, then decided to report once he did it again since he wasn't fair to himself also the class as a whole. Um, no need to apologise, Anonymous, for that, what you describe as a long and rambling email. I thought that is exactly the point uh, that I'd like, mm -hmm. that I was trying to make. Um, for sure. And yet you actually had a personal anecdote about someone cheating, which ne neither Dan nor I um, had. Yeah, you're exactly right. It creates problems later on in life. It is, uh, you've let yourself down, you've let the school down, uh, you've let your parents down, but most of all, yeah, you've let yourself down. Um, you're like a kid made out of needles at a bouncy f castle festival. Um, Dan, do you have another a response from an anonymous reader? I do, I do. Uh, we have here um, Anon Emus. <laughs> uh, sure. They say, hello, Han Solo and Chewbacca. Uh, I recently became a reader of the podcast during the great hiatus and have binged just about every episode, so I'm delighted that Dan is done with his exams and the podcast is back. I'm currently an undergrad student at Oklahoma State University looking to pursue a PhD in biology upon my conclusion. However, I'm originally from Texas. Um, not Haskell, but rather Houston. In the last episode of the podcast, um, uh, Anonymous expressed his grievances with cheating and struggled with feeling alone. Well, do I have the mother of all cheating experiences? During high school, I attended one of the best public schools in the nation, but also a notorious cheating school. So uh, well known that students applying to prominent universities, Ivy League, uh, Stanford, etc., will be asked about the cheating during their admissions interviews or will simply be declined due to the school being blacklisted. Cheating was so rampant that teachers would break down and leave the school because they were losing the fight to cheaters. I empathise with Anonymous in that I also don't condone cheating and refuse to participate, but had to live in an environment where 90% of the students considered it necessary to achieve success and have a competitive class ranking. To be completely honest, they were right to some degree, as my class rank suffered due to my decision not to cheat. Um, while I could tell you hundreds of stories about students competing, I'll spay the words and simply give you one. A leader of the criminal underworld we refer to as the Federal Reserve in reference to their collection of test banks devised a plan to steal the final exam from an English teacher. Another student distracted the teacher by telling her he telling her she was needed in another room. On the way out, he held the door open for her and slid a doorstep in the door as he closed it so she would, it would remain cracked open. After they walked out, the leader slipped into the room, quickly downloaded the entire uh, semesters with... Uh, 
with a flash drive while the other students distracted the teacher in a nearby classroom. He then slipped out and using the power of Google Drive anonymously uploaded it to the cloud. Students quickly passed around the files and it wasn't just for one kid uh, letting a printed test fall out of his backpack. They would have all got away with it. And while the story may seem like a high school take on James Bond scene, to us it was just a normal day as incidents like this happened all the time and usually the perpetrators went unpunished. I hope Anonymous could get a laugh from this story as I will leave them with two quotes. The first is from No Exit, a famous play written and famed written by the famed existential philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre. As many may know, the quintessential quintessential line in the play goes, as such, hell is other people. I feel as though realising this could give Anonymous some respite from their frustration with peers. The second quote is from a personal hero of mine, Dave Chappelle. He once said, I'm not smoking crack. I'm definitely stressed out, though. Not really sure if that makes Anonymous (laughs) feel any better, but it sure makes me laugh. P.S. I'm going to drive to Haskell one day. It's really far. Texas is big. Just to take a picture for the podcast. Warmest regards, a non-e moose. Wow. That is incredible that she's that endemic. Holy shit. I really don't know what to say to that. That's just, that's mad Mm. that that is allowed to continue. Like, and as you say, yeah, James Bond level escapades of people stealing from, um, from teachers. Holy crap. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm so glad that we asked for individual stories because these are amazing. Um, and then lastly, we do have, um, <laughs> as per their request, a response here from Anonymous Doot do 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 <laughs> I was listening to last week's Crisis Corner and I wanted to share my two penneth. Well, obviously cheating is a bad thing and they aren't crazy for thinking that, as was so eloquently put in the episode. Why, thank you. Um, I would argue that you missed out on an important part of Anonymous's crisis. They said that the fact that they hate specifically academic cheaters is causing them to have trust issues and problems making and keeping friendships. You're right, we didn't address this. While they do make a good point that cheating is the easy way over the right way, I would suggest that the choice to cheat is also based on the context of the situation. There is a great deal of difference Mm. between shortchanging a friend or your work colleagues and shortchanging a university or large faceless body. For instance, you probably wouldn't make too much fuss if your phone provider forgot to bill you £30 a month, and if they didn't notice. However, if your friends forgot to ask you for £30 they lent you, it's a lot harder to imagine not paying them back. I think Anonymous should therefore have a think about whether they are judging their friends on their actions as students or their actions as friends. And if they are Mm. thus unjustly marking someone as untrustworthy. Obviously, if someone has committed particularly large transgressions, then that is something you could justifiably say makes them untrustworthy. E.g. situations Simon mentioned, results over methods, etc. But since... Ever since they uh, started going through school, all the people around Anonymous, bar the therapist, are saying that they are making too much of a big deal about it. I wonder if they are indeed making a bigger deal about their friend's willingness to cheat uh, slash indifference to other people cheating that they need to than they need to. Um, and then... Uh, oh, ah, here we go. Uh, I, I, I'll just pass to the end of this. Uh, and the third uh, postscript, uh, just because you asked, I've only cheated academically once. I was at a UK uni. I wasn't graded on a curve. Literally everyone else cheated on this online test. Questions were copied and pasted from a US uni worksheet on the internet. Numerical values, imperial units, everything. Needed it to pass my degree. Wasn't relevant to my field of study or my degree path. And I still put a ton of extra work in to try and understand the material anyway. Didn't work. Was forced to cheat. Didn't like it, but nobody got hurt and we all passed. I would never do something like that to a friend, partner or place where I work. Did do it... Oh, oh, did do it when it wouldn't affect anyone else to the lazy lecturer on the module, widely regarded as very difficult, boring, and poorly taught. I'm not trying to excuse my actions. I wish I wasn't forced to take them, but context does matter. Um, huh. How interesting. What do you think about that, Dan? I think it's an interesting point, because I think it is very, very true. The, the um, judging 
um, judging their friends on the actions of students or their actions as friends. It is important to provide context. I think it's, you know, it's it would be very easy to kind of have a cookie cutter approach to this is the morally good thing to do. This is the morally poor thing to do. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's interesting. And I'm surprised that, I, I mean, we, we didn't I mean, really think I, of that when we first discussed it. And, but I don't know if I agree um, with that. I, I feel like perhaps I have a slightly Disney princess morality sort of view on this but i can't help but feel like if you're cheating it is always wrong it like and i i totally get that the context is important but like even if you're cheating a large faceless organization it's still cheating at the end of the day well i suppose then the follow-up question to that would be something like would you agree that at in certain time at certain times in certain situations um the the right thing to do is lie to somebody can yeah you, and this you... is the thing yeah it's yeah it's you know it's, like it's it's interesting i mean i, I the, the the point that an um uh anonymous do 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 makes about cheating when they were at a uk university and it wasn't graded on a curve and everyone else cheated on this test like, that's one of those dangerous things where it's like everyone else was doing it, it makes it okay and it's like no it doesn't make it okay but i feel like the context of that is one of those things where I, it's like that's a borderline case to me because if you were poorly mm. taught and you had to do this and you che- and everybody cheating doesn't have any effect on anybody else's scores then mm. you could argue what really is the harm but that still feels wrong to me you know like that does still mm rankle me I, I, that makes me uncomfortable and i can't really articulate exactly how i feel about that which worries me because if i if i can't articulate it, that means i don't really understand it hmm. interesting point anonymous do do yeah it is interesting um we didn't consider that thank you for your contribution so dan do we have a new crisis for this episode i believe we do um we have a, we do have another crisis uh, and it's from i want to know what the welsh is for anonymous <laughs> oh Hang no on. that's narrowed it down to like four million people yeah exactly google translate translate and anonymous into welsh oh for god's sake <laughs> what did you think was going to happen of course it was going to be a mess of consonants i actually can't even sell it undianwu un <laughs> What? Hang on. Undianu. Undianu. It's two words. Right, hang on. An- anonymous. I assuming that this is a good translation because it's a single word, so it's normally pretty good. Um now double D's, apart from being great, uh how do you pronounce? Is that in in Dinwin? In Dinwe. I've just played it and it sounds nutty. Indiana. What's something like Indiana? We do. Junior. <laughs> this email comes from Junior. <laughs> Fortunately, I remembered my Charlemagne. Um, <laughs> here we go. So, dear Clark and more, greetings from the land of she- sheep, hills and rain. I'm currently in my last year of sixth form and I have a very important decision ahead of me. I have thought long and hard about my situation. I feel like I see- need some expert advice. Well, we'll try our best. I have applied to my university to pursue a master's degree in physics, and one of my options was Oxford. Unfortunately, I did not get offered a place. Um, uh, Anonymous then goes to goes on to list some kind of uh, kind of backstory to um, going through GCSE results and then A level results, and 
it's a long email. It's, it's, <laughs> it's quite a long email. Um, however, they do say, I would like to ask for your opinion on the situation and if you'd give me any advice, and that would be amazing. Do you think that I should give it another shot and risk not getting in again? Is it worth it? Or should I follow through with my journey into university this year? Um, that's a university going to Warwick uh, instead. Um I should probably mention that I really love Warwick University, and if I decide not to reapply, I would not be disappointed with where I end up. I'd also like to know how Simon prepared for the PAT, uh, and if my weak GCSE results would hold me back. And that's from Ndianu, whatever it was. Junior. Okay, Junior. Um, uh, Preparing for the PAT, nice and easy. Go through past papers, though there aren't that many, because they changed it recently. I always recommend going through past senior maths challenge papers, because the the style of question is very similar, and there's loads of them. That's how I prepared. I did pretty good in the PAT, actually. um, And I then got a gold that year in the maths challenge. It's a nice little bonus. So that's, that's that's the easy part. GCSEs, I... Uh, I think they have become more important now because the A levels aren't modular anymore. Um, but I, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't want to give you information that's incorrect, and I'm not sure what the latest information is because it's all changed several times over the past couple of years. So I, I'm not going to give advice on that because I don't know what the right advice is. Um, as to whether or not you should apply, reapply or not, the thing is that like a year isn't that long. Like when when you're talking about a, a taking a year to reapply to somewhere, that's really barely any time at all in your life. Like it may feel like a massively long time at the moment, but like by the time you get to my wizened old age, you realize that a year is like nothing, basically. Mm. Um, so if you truly think it's important, then I'd say reapply. However, consider exactly why it is that you want to go to oxford is it because of the prestige or is it because the course particularly appeals to you or the research opportunities particularly appeal to you if it is anything other than the um student experience and as in the actual degree that you'll be doing i would highly recommend that you don't reapply because i think there's an awful lot of people that apply to oxbridge and have particular ideas about what you know what life's going to be like for them if they go there and basically thinking that I have to go there because if I don't go there it's embarrassing because I think I deserve to go to the best right and that's a very very tempting mindset that is totally bollocks um Oxford is an incredibly hard place to be a student uh Oxbridge generally um they're very very hard to go to and there's an awful lot of people I tell when they say that they didn't get in that they dodged a bullet and people who if it's been a few years since they haven't got in, tend to agree when they see what their friends who went to Oxbridge have gone through. It's not a land of sunshine and rainbows. What, sorry? Oh, I I said, are you there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been talking this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, you dropped out for me. You kind of of stopped. You said, I I remember you saying something to do with um, something, something, it's all bollocks. Um... And then it oh, okay. Yeah, no, I've been, t- I've been talking this whole time. Um, okay, cool, right. <laughs> what, I, what I was basically saying was, consider why you want to go there, and is it yeah. for the degree? Because if it's anything other than what the degree is going to be like, as in the actual mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. don't reapply, I think. What, what's your yeah. take, Dan? Yeah, well, I think that's a, it's, a, I mean, it's a big decision because... Uh, uh, Welsh Anonymous says, um, now I'm stuck in a mental battle with myself, wondering whether I should take a year out and try again or start my journey in Warwick. Um, I think if it were me, I'd just want to get started. If you like Warwick and you say it's a beautiful place and you like it and you'd be really happy if you do go, then I think just, you know, carpe diem. 
Well, that's only our opinions, though, Dan. We should we, we'll f- throw the floor open to our, our mm. dearest readers. If you have an opinion on this, then do send us an email to spongyelectric@gmail.com, and we will read out uh, the best responses uh, next week. Just put Crisis Corner in the subject line, and we will anonymize everything that's sent in such a manner. Uh, but you know mm. what we're also going to read out, Dan, next week? Other emails sent to us in Correspondence, Correspondence Corner. Hey. We have an email here from Josh. Hi, Josh. Josh says, Dear Mr. Moore and Clark, I'm writing this email while listening to the hilarious episode 27. Yes, I am that far behind, and I'm smashing through the content to help my procrastination from my GCSEs. I'm currently uh, reeling in pain, having just endured both my Spanish listening and reading exam and hearing you both talking about speaking Spanish yourselves. On the subjects of cats versus dogs, assuming that that still exists, I cannot weigh in on the debate, as my family owns both, despite our dog having stressed us all out recently by having to be rushed to an emergency surgery at the vets with telescopic intestines and and eating our garden brush good heavens what a dog <laughs> wow i wish i i wish i had a i wish i had a telescopic intestine that'd be amazing i mean the amount um, i eat mine's basically telescopic it's it's, uh, yeah. it's like i'm like mr stretch right but i stretch outwards rather than <laughs> like vertically Josh goes on to say thanks for the amazing long content and the great excuse for not working just a nice little uh, little hello there well hello josh i hope hello. you're you're smashing you through the podcast one. very well yes uh, next up, we have an email from Min Dat Ha. And what, uh, uh, the first postscript to this actually says, Vietnamese names like mine have a last name, middle name, first name structure. So my name is Dat, not Ha. And I'm almost certainly mm. mangling the pronunciation of all of these. I'm terribly sorry. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, Ha, sorry, da, even told me and I messed it up. Dat uh, uh, starts off by saying, Dear Dr. Weatherman and Your Royal Highness, the Mouse Prince. Um, Thank you. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, this is basically talking about uh, Infinity War and Endgame, uh, which we reviewed on the on the show a while back. Um, mm. Basically saying that one of the issues with Infinity War that I've seen floating around and even on the podcast is the question of why Thanos doesn't simply make infinite resources for the universe. While our antagonist has great humanity and explains his motivations very clearly, this is a very big plot hole. To work around this in a manner that would minimise changes to the other two parts of the film, I would propose the following change to Thanos' motivation. Instead of Malthusian economic reasoning... Thanos would want to eliminate half of life to ensure that people will still have jobs. This, in my opinion, will work great because of two reasons. Firstly, the alien planets in the MCU are technologically advanced, thus people losing jobs and falling into poverty and subsequently starvation due to automation would be a very big issue. Thanos' snap, in his opinion, will ensure that there are enough jobs for everyone and no one will be poor again. And uh, two, this will directly attack Tony Stark, as we've seen time and time again how much of a futurist and techno-optimist he is. Having Thanos attack Stark at such a fundamental level will trigger a Civil War-esque conflict. This will actually be a question of whether or not Thanos is right. So mm. that I quite like that as an alternative spin. I'm yeah, that's that's a good, that's a good kind of a more kind of uh, justifiable reasoning, isn't it? I mean, I do. I I like his argument in the film because it's clear that it's a flawed argument. Like, I, I think it works because he is the Mad Titan. I think if it made more sense, it would in a way. I don't know. Would it would it take away from the film? I don't know how I feel about that actually. But I like the suggestion. Mm. That's that's good. Mm. Um, and then uh, um, spoilers ahead for talking about Endgame. Do skip ahead for like two minutes if you don't want to have this spoiled. Um, a, bit, a bit nitpicky, but overall the film would be better. Endgame would be better with the following changes. Hawkeye should have died instead of Black Widow simply due to the way they built up that scene. That scene was ridiculous in my opinion. Mm. Um, they were constantly mm. swipping, swapping out. It was like a 90s spy cartoon um, yeah. it would also be a good way to show how much Hawkeye was part of the Avengers by having everyone else mourning his death as this has never been particularly well established um, and additionally Bruce and Natasha deserve a happy ending 
that I I do agree with. Um, why yeah. didn't Cap? Secondly, why didn't Cap get Thor's power when wielding Mjolnir? Odin specifically enchanted the hammer with whoever holds this hammer. Sorry, whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. It would be nice eye candy, and the f- finale wouldn't have changed very much, seeing as how OP Thanos is. Uh, and then number three. What the hell is Thanos' Darth Maul-esque sword made of? Stormbreaker overpowered a blast from all six Infinity Stones, but somehow couldn't bitch this sword around. Um, <laughs> that's a very fair point. I, I, I will, I'll send you a link. Um, it's the actually Dan. Hang on, I, I have to see this uh, so that you can react to it because it's the one okay. of the funniest things I've seen. Uh, there's this guy who built a um, a Thanos sword, and he is. I can't, is he Kiwi or is he Australian? Skip ahead by uh, about two minutes in what I'm about to send you, Dan. And it's this guy who is, gets really into how he's like te- demoing this sword. The sword is a mess from like power levels, but also from a design perspective. Like it makes, it's a totally impractical weapon as this video, which mm. will be in the show notes, uh, demonstrates. But it does have blades for a reason, okay? So when you go there and go there, it's like, uh, it's not as effective as if you were to hit with the actual edge. And so the way you do it, you strike down, then kind of hit <laughs> like that. So you're like, is a mess. This guy is up there with the um, kid Jesus, who, was, yeah, wow. who this kid that kid who we'd found doing the musket videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wikicast collection of strange but very endearing people on YouTube who are just passionate yeah. about something but are a little bit odd. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> we need to keep a list of these people um, but there we go yes thank you very much uh, Dart um, and, and especially as you say uh, Team Cat as they are clearly the superior supporting class for human mains uh, fan- fantastic point all round quality email big fan we have an email here from Colm Mansfield why do you sound like a camp German man we have an email we here have an Colm email here Mansfield. Mansfield he, he wrote it he on says, his handy my, oh, vice my handy. Um, <laughs> he says, Dear most honourable Messrs. Clark and more, long-time reader, first-time writer, been reading since episode two. Good heavens above, that's a long time. How are you still saying? Um, greetings from Ireland, the Republic of. Uh, not the other bit, you, you, you lot still have. Don't blame us! <laughs> nice. It is, I mean, Simon, it is our fault, but ex- specifically True. us. True. Um, I I knew we should never have like you know had that that revolutionary war like happen on our doorstep. Terrible idea. Uh, Colm says I'm a recent master's graduate in social media comms, formerly of the top lads, and found the podcast through Simon's PhD vlogs. I mean, everyone loves a bit of uh, Schadenfreude now and now and again. Schadenfreude. Um, yeah, that. Firstly, congratulations down on the completions of your thesis. Having completed my second one relatively recently, I know the relief you must be feeling right now. Hooray! Secondly, I've started listening to Tenebrae. Uh, after the two of you kept mentioning them so much in previous episodes, I was wondering if you had any other recommendations because, let's, let's face it, Protestant choral music make Catholic, makes Catholic liturgical music look like Sea Changes by Raymond Dean. Um, I don't know that. Heard it, I don't if you haven't heard it, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't heard it, have mercy on your ears and don't attempt it. It's shit. Torturing the ears of uh, leaving certificate students every two years for, the least, for at least the last decade. The most exciting piece of music I'd usually hear at church is the Latin Gloria for Easter and Christmas. Wow. Yeah. You poor, poor you, you poor man. You have two. You two have rekindled my love of classical. So thank you for that. I think. Finally, thank you for all uh, that you do, and I'm happy to recommend this podcast to others when they ask, and sometimes even when they don't. Always happy to help out the lords of lad morality. Um, like the things that hold up the Parthenon. Colm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Colm. Um, Colm Mansfield. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Um, Colm. Um, 
uh, Mansfield, age 23, and 221, 360 fifths. P.S. If you two are feeling like reviving old bits or just want to make fools out of yourselves again, I can send in some Irish language phrases for you to try and pronounce on the pod. Absolutely do that. That would be yes. P.P.S. P.P.S. Yes, I did um, change the sign off in the email so that Simon would pronounce my first name correctly. There Colin. we go. You know us too well. Tell you what we could do is if 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 Colm sends us some stuff, we could get Brian from Real Engineering. Colm, that's his name now. If Colm wants to send the stuff. We we can see if, we, if if Brian from Real Engineering is free, he can come and do an episode because he's top crack. Absolutely. He's, oh, yeah, he's, great he's, an, he's an Irishman, isn't he? Exactly. So he could he could tell yes, us what we're doing someone. wrong. Someone's got to be. Uh, and then we let's do one more email because it is uh, it is Love Island o'clock, and um, this is this mm. is Pixel Girl time right now that I'm eating into. You might want to rephrase that. Oh, I'm spending quality time with my that. That doesn't actually make it. That's, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am going to sit next to Pixel Girl on the sofa and enjoy watching a television program with fully clothed <laughs> both of us will be fully clothed there'll be at least six inches between boys and girls um yeah six inches be, yeah that's how impressive oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow wow getting into hip-hop what about getting into hip-hop getting into hip-hop you know what that's my favorite subject dan so uh, let's finish yeah. up with an email from matthew Dawes. this was from a while ago this was from a few months ago which we just haven't got around to edit- reading because we had that big old gap because of dan's dan had to go and do his exams or something like that anyway matthew Dawes has emailed in uh with uh this email hi dan and simon i just want to respond to dan not being into hip-hop i was like this about two years ago being a narrow-minded heavy metal fan who hated anything without guitar bass and drums the album that got me into the genre was To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Now, that is an album I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, I like. I know uh, Chance the Rapper is apparently the one that I should listen to more of, That uh, him and MF Doom. Um, but Kendrick Lamar is like massively successful. Mm. So, you know, pro- mm. good shout. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll make a note of this. I'm going to listen to this too. Um, uh, uh, Matthew continues. Well, do you know, just on this, on this point, tell you who I have been listening to a lot of, and yeah. it's been a complete curveball because I first found it very annoying, Billie Eilish. Really? Yeah, I really like her stuff. Right, bad guy, mainly because because of all the you know the, all the like um, memes of being like yeah uh, yeah the, her song bad guy, and then instead of the bit where she says I'm I'm the bad guy, you change it to like it'll be Homer Simpson being like I'm the I think did I send you one of those? I'm sure I sent you one of those. I think you might have sent me one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the the sugar plum fairy of Princess Land. With it, you know yes. that one. It's, she's a massive meme, so it's no surprise yeah, to me yeah. that like. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, um, so uh, basically, it's one of Matthew says it's one of my favorite albums of all time. The music is jazzy and funky, not your stereotypical hip hop beats. The metaphors are complex and deep. The theme of the album is hard hitting, and the whole LP is like a film in its narrative. I strongly recommend that you listen to it at least once. If you aren't into that, listen to the podcast Dissect. He talks about this album extensively, track by track, exploring the themes of the lyrics and the musical influences. And if you still don't like it, well, that's no problem. Each to their own. Um, all. All this to say the album is a fucking banger. All the readers mm. should listen to it as soon as possible. All my best. Keep up the fantastic work, Matthew. Well, I'll tell you what, Matthew, I will give it a listen as well before the next podcast episode, and I will get back to you with what my what I think. Because uh, I've, rec- I've been listening to a lot of lo-fi hip-hop at the moment, because it's just nice to have one in the background when I'm working. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have, to, I have to give that a go. I was listening to something recommended to me from my brother, actually. Um, and it is... A band, an Australian band, I believe, and they're called uh, Parcels. The album uh, is called Parcels. parcels. Uh, yeah, Parcels. Uh, they're really, really good. 
um, yeah. give parcels to listen to specifically specifically listen to their song lighten up one, all one word it's very good parcels like i'm making a note i'm literally making a physical note lighten nice. up yeah um, it's just very, very easy good. listening well, th- we got some homework for next time dan mm. fantastic what it's my go isn't it so dan it's the end of the podcast what did we learn today oh my goodness we oh hang on I've closed the tab. Oh, he's made the rookie. <laughs> no. Oh, no. How do I do it? Uh, Coleman's Cop. Oh, that was it, wasn't hang it? on. Coleman's, I'm going to have to go through my Coleman's inter- Cop? If I search so, Coleman's, Coleman's Head. Maybe? Coleman's Head Wiki. Oh, no. Col- hang on. <laughs> Coleman Scop Coleman Scop Coleman Scop there we go we got there in the end folks we're professionals Simon, we, thank you for supporting we us about on Coleman patreon.com forward slash yeah, the wikicast yeah, <laughs> yeah. we learned about Coleman Scop the ghost town in the uh, the Namib uh, in the Namib in southern Namibia uh, which is was very very the... cool there's some amazing photos and we learned a lot and about then we Namibia. had a more ex- yeah, more extended conversation about Namibia. And we did say, if you are one of our Namibian listeners, because we know we have listeners in Namibia, then um, email in for next week. Yeah, or so if we you've can, been uh, to Coleman's Cop, do email in. In fact, if you have any yeah. thoughts on the show, well, well sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Because uh, after that, we talked about your core piece of the week, which sounds super interesting. The uh, Walton yeah, version of Rejoice in the Lamb. Um, yeah, we talked the 12. About, uh, uh, Chernobyl. We talked about uh, Gojira. Um, Gojira. And- we had I already eat enough fortune cookie. There we go. That's the racism uh, checkbox for this episode. I'm just gonna hang on. Woo! Yeah, that's that's signed off. Um, yep. <laughs> and then we had. You're playing along to Wikicast. Wikicast bingo. That's uh, pointless. <laughs> yes. Eyes down. Two fat ladies. Eighty-eight. Um, uh, <laughs> is that is, is that a thing that they still do? Do they still have the little call sheets where it's like? Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Pair of swans. Seventy-seven. Or is it twenty-two pair of swans? That's one to talk about in a future episode because if yeah. you're not from it's, UK, I think it's 22. That's a, the, that, the classic one is two fat ladies, 88. Um, is are we feeling alive? 45. It's, uh, it's like a whole other language. And anyway, we're getting distracted because that's this is. Yeah. I, I got distracted. The podcast, uh, and then we had an extended conversation about cheating academically and some glorious um, correspondence. It was fantastic, wouldn't you mm. say? That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Namibian listeners, opinions on William Walton's The Twelve and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And and we'll we'll see see you you next next time. time. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. Three, two, one, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Sorry to kick in. Your um, the 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 call the call like delayed and sped up. So you went um you, you to my to my ear. It sounded like join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. Three, two, one, and we'll just see you next. <laughs> oh oh, f- <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I missed it. Right, go again. Go again.